the dim-lit sanctuary of a decrepit Morton church, I found refuge. The cool embrace of its air conditioner hummed in the background, merging with the eerie silence. The pale light of the computer screen illuminated my face, the church's free Wi-Fi my only connection to the world. My name is Alex, and if you're reading this, know that it's because I desperately want the world to know my story before it might be too late. It wasn't always like this. There was a time when my greatest adversary was sheer boredom. A time when the small town of Dover offered nothing more than reruns on television and the familiar rattle of video game controllers. Dylan, my longtime friend and I, were the epitome of mundane lives. The interior of the local movie theater knew our footsteps well. Day in and day out, we mopped up the stubborn soda stains and picked up after the clumsy patrons who thought their tickets included littering services. All that for a meager minimum wage. We had our diplomas, sure, but they felt like nothing more than pieces of paper reminding us of a time when life had direction. There was no college calling our names and the prospect of drifting in this fashion forever hung over us like a perpetual storm cloud. One evening, as the twilight sun cast its orange hues through the curtains of my parents' living room, Dylan broached the subject. Ever feel like life was clearer in high school? His voice held a distant note, like he was talking about another lifetime. In high school? Seriously? I snorted, thinking of the mindless assignments and the rigid timetables. Dylan's eyes, always thoughtful, stared at the ceiling. We had purpose, Alex. Everything was mapped out. Essays, exams, and curfews. Now we're like aimless specters, haunted by the lack of structure. I pondered his words. So, what do we do? Go back to those golden days? A part of me scoffed at the idea. He sighed. It's not about going back, but about finding what gave our lives meaning then and trying to recreate it. Without the rules of high school, we've slacked off. We need something, some structure with real consequences that pushes us. Dylan was, without doubt, the philosopher between us. His thoughts often delved deep, while mine skimmed the surface. But I admired his depth. That day, we found ourselves engaged in a conversation that would define the coming days, unaware of the Pandora's box we were about to open. It's worth noting that boredom, while seemingly innocent, can be the gateway to more sinister paths. I'm talking about actions you never thought you'd partake in, choices that you'd scoff at in a lucid moment. Boredom can lead you down avenues of regret, impulsive decisions, and dark obsessions. That was precisely where Dylan and I found ourselves one evening, precariously straddling that line. Alex, Dylan began, his tone suddenly darker and more ominous than before. What if you tried to sabotage my life? I shot him a puzzled look. Why the hell would I do that? His eyes danced with a mix of mischief and seriousness, a cocktail of emotions I'd come to associate with his deeper contemplative moments. Think about it. If I knew that you were actively trying to hinder me, wouldn't it provide the perfect motivation for me to rise above, to always be one step ahead? I chuckled nervously, considering the implications. You want me to, what, hide your phone? Maybe swap your salt and sugar? But Dylan was beyond trivial pranks. His idea of sabotage was more profound. You could do much worse if you put your mind to it, he mused. But remember, the game would be mutual. Taking a moment, I surveyed his face for signs of jest. Finding none, I hesitated before agreeing, thinking it'd be a harmless game to pass the time. All right, game on. 
but I expect the same from you. His reaction was sudden and violent, a punch to my leg that left me stunned. The game starts now, Alex, he declared, his voice dripping with a kind of cold malice I'd never associated with him. As he left my house that day, his parting words sent a chill down my spine. We're not buddies anymore. We're adversaries in this twisted game. For the initial few days, I tried to play my part. I sprinkled popcorn over his freshly cleaned sections at work, expecting retaliation, but he just laughed it off. His lack of revenge, however, began to gnaw at my nerves and I relaxed, thinking he wasn't taking the dare seriously. Then the dominoes began to fall. One day, out of the blue, I was summoned by our boss and let go for poor performance. As I left the theater, a faux sympathy in Dylan's eyes should have been a sign. My spiral downward was swift. A series of unfortunate events, including unfounded accusations by my parents of theft, led to a swift eviction from my family home. Penniless and jobless, I took the first job I could find flipping burgers at McDonald's and renting a room in an old building near the community college. But amidst this chaos, life offered a silver lining in the form of my roommates, Nathan and John. We connected instantly. While I did find solace in their company, my relationship with Dylan took a backstage, and our interactions dwindled to almost nil. But as the days grew darker and the game more intense, I couldn't help but think, how far would Dylan go to win? With every rising sun, the bizarre dare that Dylan once proposed seemed to fade into the recesses of my memory. It felt like a hazy dream that maybe, just maybe, never happened. Life had been kind lately. I had a steady job, a blossoming relationship with Rachel, and evenings filled with light-hearted banter with Nathan and John. I had almost forgotten what it felt like to have your peace disrupted. Almost. The disruption began with something as mundane as junk mail. It started trickling in, unnoticeable at first, but soon my mailbox was brimming with all kinds of solicitations, from credit card offers, travel deals to letters from self-proclaimed pen pals. It was overwhelming. Nathan and John, always the jesters, saw this as another opportunity for their antics, playfully raining the junk mail over me when I returned from work, declaring me the king of mail. While it lightened the situation momentarily, deep down, a kernel of concern was sprouting. Determined to stem the tide, we decided to tackle this menace head on. Armed with snacks and determination, we sat down, making a mission out of unsubscribing from every unsolicited mailer. The initial success, however, was ephemeral. The deluge returned, fiercer, more personal, and frankly, more intrusive. Parallel to the physical mail chaos, my digital space started getting equally cluttered. My inbox, once an organized space, now resembled a fish market on its busiest day. The junk wasn't limited to my mail either. Browsing Facebook one day, I stumbled upon a doppelganger account. It had my photos, but coupled with disturbing content. What unnerved me more were certain photos I couldn't place, ones I hadn't uploaded or even clicked. The relationship with Rachel was the silver lining during this storm. We began discussing a future together, setting up a shared space, maybe even adopting a pet. Just as things seemed to be settling, another curveball was thrown my way. Eager to distract myself from the chaos, I decided to pre-order a game I had been eyeing for a while. To my surprise, access to my own email was denied. Multiple recovery attempts bore no results. Baffled, I decided to check Facebook, only to find myself locked out of there as well. My digital identity, it seemed, had been hijacked.
before I could process this, my phone vibrated with a call from Rachel. Her usually cheerful voice was rife with distress, tears choking her words. A sinking feeling gripped me. The intricate web of deception was unraveling, and I was at its very center, ensnared and helpless. Rachel's voice, normally gentle and assuring, was a mixture of rage and disbelief. Alex, how could you? To message me those horrifying things on Facebook and then deny it. What kind of game are you playing? A deep sigh escaped me. Rachel, I pleaded. I've been locked out. My Facebook was hacked. The emotion was palpable between us, a mixture of anger, confusion, and betrayal. Even after showing her that I couldn't access my own account, it took more time to convince her that the venomous messages weren't my doing. Determined to reclaim my digital identity, I dove into damage control. With Facebook's support, I purged the obscene content and faced a barrage of messages from concerned friends and family. And, as if to add insult to injury, my Twitter and Instagram weren't spared either. The hacker was not only prolific, but also seemed to have a particular vendetta against me. The following days were a blur of password resets, calls with support teams, and a heightened sense of paranoia. To ensure I wouldn't be easy prey again, I meticulously crafted passwords that would make even cryptographers blink twice. These alphanumeric labyrinths were penned down and securely tucked away in my dresser, away from prying eyes. I believed this would be the end of my troubles. How mistaken I was. The sinking feeling returned when, only a week later, I found myself digitally exiled once more. As frustration mounted, a suggestion to check for keyloggers seemed my last straw. And sure enough, behind the imposing tower of my desktop, I found an inconspicuous USB stick. The sinister reality dawned upon me as the repair technician confirmed its nefarious function. Reeling from this breach of my personal space, the worst was yet to come. Skimming through my mountainous junk mail, my heart nearly stopped when I chanced upon not one, but three credit card bills. Bills for cards I never signed up for. The looming specter of identity theft was no longer just a specter. Someone had taken tangible actions against my financial stability. Remembering the numerous sermons from my parents on the dangers of credit cards, I felt a sinking feeling. Racing against time, I alerted the credit card companies, contesting these false claims. Not stopping there, I quickly placed a 90-day fraud alert on my credit with ScoreMax. With every step I took to regain control, the weight of the situation grew heavier. The gravity of the hack wasn't just digital anymore, it was personal, financial, and deeply invasive. The game had shifted from mere online trolling to a full-scale attack on my life. The kind gentleman at ScoreMax, sensing the gravity of my situation, began guiding me through the process, much like a lighthouse guiding ships through a stormy night. He emphasized the importance of examining my credit report meticulously. You need to be vigilant, he stressed. This isn't just about your credit score. It's about your life and financial future. Following his instructions, I journeyed into the depths of my credit history. The task was to pinpoint anomalies and draft a complaint to the National Trade Authority. But this wasn't just any letter. It was an SOS, a desperate plea for assistance in the face of a digital onslaught. Once done, the next step was to involve local law enforcement. The daunting weight of bureaucracy felt crushing, especially when I was the one wronged. Yet, I tread on. The realization that the tentacles of identity theft could stretch further prompted me to ring Nathan. After moments that felt like hours, Nathan's relieved voice confirmed he was in the clear. 
You should probably have Rachel check too, he added, a tremor of concern in his voice. Thankfully, her finances hadn't been tampered with either. I took a moment to inform them about the legal entitlement to annual credit reports, urging them to monitor their credit histories regularly. We scheduled reminders, ensuring we remained ever vigilant. When I first stumbled upon those fraudulent credit bills, I had hoped against hope that perhaps my parents, in some well-meaning parental gesture, had opened accounts on my behalf. But their worried voices soon dispelled that notion. Their own investigation led to a shocking discovery. Fifteen unauthorized accounts between them. I felt a mix of fury and trepidation. The tendrils of this cybernetic menace seemed to be reaching out farther and more personally than I could have ever imagined. When the detailed bills arrived, a grim story began to unfold. Over the past year, a staggering amount had been squandered. Every charge felt like a stab, a personal affront. The deceitful brilliance of the hacker became clear as I realized that the barrage of junk mail I received was likely intentional, a clever ruse to camouflage the real, detrimental bills. While the initial transactions hinted at regular purchases, it was the word Bitcoin that made my heart skip a beat. My rudimentary understanding labeled it a decentralized digital currency, but as I delved deeper, its attraction for identity thieves became apparent. This was their golden ticket, a way to transform stolen credit into untraceable digital gold. The enormity of it hit me. This thief had transformed a colossal debt into a treasure trove of anonymous currency. The credit card companies, I realized, would likely bear the brunt of the loss. But what was even more disconcerting was that this digital marauder had the means and motive to wreak further havoc on my life. I would soon discover the depth of their malevolence and the shocking revelation of their identity. This is Alex, at the crossroads of a digital nightmare, wrestling with the shadows of technology and the haunting knowledge that a trusted ally had turned adversary.